Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. How are we all doing? Surviving. I know it's not my fault, but uh, I have this incessant need, uh, feeling of a need to apologize that you have to wear masks in church. There's something so counterintuitive about it, about the whole community thing and friendship and, and feeling. I don't know about you, I hate wearing a mask uh, for many reasons, um, even if we look back to our Halloween. I think masks do things and um, <clears throat> I think we all need to be aware that um, we, most of us, have never lived generationally in a place where we have had to think about the protection of liberties and freedoms or infringement upon what we would call our inalienable rights. And um, all of that's going on might seem to have an innocence to it and just a response to uh, what is the very real issue um, of the COVID pandemic. But we also need to be careful that within it very subtly, because I know how religion works, so I know how this works. And I know that anything that uses fear, guilt, shame, and intimidation to promote its gospel ultimately will not stop at that one thing. So I'm saying to you, you might think I'm over, overreacting, but I'm saying to you we need to be aware and careful um, about some of the freedoms and liberties that have been hard fought for and hard gained that will impinge upon everything we do if we're not careful. I see that um, this week over 1,500 faith leaders, um, uh, higher-up faith leaders, have, have been part of a petition that's gone to the government to make sure that we're never in the situation where you can't come into a church unless you've got a COVID passport, because that would be counterintuitive. You know, it just, it just doesn't work with the whole spirit of acceptance and all that we're here to do, because we've had people of many kinds and ilts that could put many things on many people. Uh, but this is where you come for life. So I'm just, just raising that to say, um, you know, beyond the current situation for which we are trying to be obedient and compliant, there are issues that we should be aware of because we want to maintain the, the, the right and the ability and the opportunity to do all that we do for everybody uh, that needs it and to be considerate of all. So today, yeah... Um, I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of weeks. I think, um, I think it's been good. I'm sorry you can't join in the singing, but, uh, but there you go. So we're trying to pick this up and, and, and follow through. And um, um, today I wanted to just use a little illustration to kick off where we're going. I don't know if any of you recognize that. Uh, that, that is our industrial kitchen dishwasher in our own... Uh, facilities there at the back that we, when we kitted up for pillars, we have all the right gear, top gear. And uh, this is an in-out um, uh, industrial 
dishwasher, which works very quickly. Now, what you can see there is it's open. Can you see out the bottom? You can see underneath and it's open. Well, we had a little incident with that um, a couple of years ago that was very interesting because uh, the ladies in there that were working, you know, because they would do pillars and all the dirties come in and you they go into a stack and then they go into the dishwasher. You lift the dishwasher, in they go, shut the lid, it fires itself up. Then you lift the, you lift the lid again, slide them out. And the ladies began to notice that it was getting... Eunice. Eunice particularly. It was getting really hard. Somehow, this thing, there must be something wrong with it. It must be broken or something because lifting it, uh, Chris, Chris's words were to me, we were hurting ourselves trying to lift the jolly lid to get into the dishwasher. And then uh, our bright spark Eunice, who didn't miss a trick, uh, suddenly noticed that all the empty trays that we weren't using to carry stuff out were being put in a particular place. Now, who can guess where those trays were being put? On top of the dishwasher lid. So we now had a stack of trays that weren't being used on top of the dishwasher lid that nobody had noticed until Eunice spotted it, that were now making it so you could actually injure yourself trying to do a task that before had been so easy and so simple. And there's so many lessons that go with that that I want to talk about today. You see, the problem is it was getting heavier because of weight that wasn't dealt with. And what's also interesting is the trays. Trays are useful. But when they're all in a stack on top of a dishwasher, they are useless. And that there are lots of things in our lives that have a period and an application where they're useful, but then when we're not using them, the danger is they can become so heavy in our lives that we can't lift the lid anymore. So here's what, here's what the Apostle Paul says. It's in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Let us throw off the weight, which is what we're going to talk about today. Let us throw off the weight... And the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I find something fascinating about that that I wanted to raise now. I'll kick back at it later. But isn't it interesting that he puts weight before sin? I would propose to you, and this is one of the things I want to dismantle a little bit today, that in church we have become so sin conscious and have become so sin heavy that we think that the only problem is this thing called sin, and then we start making up sins. That probably God doesn't turn an eye to, but we start making them up. But Paul says the problem's not your sin, the problem's the weight that comes before the sin. Maybe, let me propose this before I sit down, maybe the only sin that matters is the one that refuses to throw off the weight that we have accumulated. And you're going to see this theme all the way through this morning. Now, I wanted to put this, I was trying to fit this in and I couldn't make it fit, but this morning I saw where it fits. One of the little statements from Alan Watts, who we read from last week. Alan Watts said this, Irre irrevocable commitment to any religion, now I'm going to change those words, irrevocable commitment to any religious type belief is not only intellectual suicide, it is positive Unfaith, because it closes the mind to any new vision of the world. Faith is above all openness, an act of trust 
in the unknown. Now, I'm trying to push you again to accept the wisdom of insecurity, which is the only true security, because in it, you can always be guided, but can never be controlled. What that um, clip from Forrest Grump doesn't cover there is that you learn later in the story that the weight that Jenny was carrying was the weight of abuse by her father in an abusive home. And uh, we chose this clip because it's kind of another way to talk about some of the weight that we have to bear, that Forrest had to bear. Now, I do agree with what he said about his mother. You can tell a lot about a person by their shoes. That's why I've always loved my shoes. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure what you can tell is always true, but you can tell a lot about a person by their shoes. My American friends, I get all over them because they, they have to be the world's champion at ugly shoes. I mean, seriously. And listen, well, they're really comfy is not an excuse. Okay? That is not an excuse for looking ridiculous, Right? The idea is get some comfy shoes, but also bear in mind the shoes are saying something about you, okay? See, we all at some time, whether we realize it or not, got fitted with or fitted ourselves with special shoes. And they were very often our coping mechanism for the journey of life. Now, I'm using the metaphor here, of course, Forrest was fitted with calipers, and I'm using this metaphor from the movie with, with di zero disrespect for disability, so bear that in mind. I acknowledge and understand how valuable and useful these things are, but I'm using the metaphor not to be disrespectful to disability. But even to show in the context of if that's you, the weight that you then have to carry that may have been put on you for a purpose. And sometimes we don't know whether the purpose validates what was fit on us. Now, we've all done that to ourselves as well. We have fitted ourselves with coping mechanisms that, like those calipers, have made us incapable of walking the way that we should walk. Now, what's interesting is that Forrest finds himself carrying this weight as something that he's been told will straighten him out. And there's way too much in life happened to us, in us, from us, of us, that's all based on the thing that somehow we have a perception of how, why, and when we should be straightened out. And often that straightening out is simply because we can't stand there for to be any diversity or any difference or any non-conformity or any character or personality, but we want to squash everything into a certain way. And so in the Christian faith, we develop something called holiness, which was just the other way of saying, we're going to straighten you out and you're going to wear this weight and you won't be able to walk how you want to walk in life, but we're going to straighten you out. I I've learned something, see, that what Paul says he's right that the weight is more problem than the sin, that the sin is actually the byproduct, but the weight is the problem. If we can deal with the weight, the other stuff will take its rightful course. It says, Mama called them his magic shoes, and they were heavy. They were heavy, and these things are heavy. Now, now why? Because, as Mama said, his back was as crooked as a question mark. And these were going to make him as straight as an arrow. Now, there's two things in there. The doctor says, as crooked as a politician, I make no comment on that in the current climate, okay? 
Um, that was the doctor's description. But Forrest Mummer's description was, this will make you straight as an arrow. Something, it's about the perception that something ain't right and we want to fix it. And yet, Forrest, by his own confession, even the doctor said, he said, my legs are just fine and dandy. So it made me start thinking about this idea because it's a colloquialism, as crooked as a question mark. And if you look at a question mark, you can be uh, inspired to think that a question mark is crooked. And I never thought of question marks as being crooked. But the problem is most people do. And most of us do. We, we try to get away from question because we think there's a crookedness to the question that needs straightening out. So we've become obsessed with answers and frightened of questions. I've said many times before, I was raised and preached that Jesus is the answer. You will never hear me preach that ever again. I do not preach that. I preach now, Jesus is the question. He's the one who comes and disturbs what's going on. Why? So we can throw off the weight and what has entangled us so that we can become the free people that we're supposed to be. And Q... Q is as crooked as a question mark. And there are people who let you know that Q is as crooked as a question mark. But I love what he says, the sweetest voice I ever heard, little Jenny. The sweetest voice was going to help him challenge what he thought could never change. And the sweetest voice is always that one. <laughs> it's not to do with tone or where it came from. It's the one that helps you challenge what you thought you could never change. And that's the sound that we talked about the week before last. A couple of great clips and a good song as well. Um, it, it, Forrest needed something to make him run to get rid of the weight. That was, that was Forrest's way to freedom, because if he never run, the weight that he was carrying would never break off him, but it was actually running. Now, see, there are so many mixed circumstances in our life that sometimes we think we have to stay in our mind and in our experience to face something, when actually there are many things that we need to run from. Now, I know the message that we've put out in schools is don't run from bullying, and I get that in one way, but there's also another context that when something is bullying you all the time, perhaps your way to freedom is to get as far away from that bullying as you possibly can. And uh, of course, as, as Forrest begins to run, the weight of the calipers begins to break off. And, um, you know, if you want to know what did it for me, religious bullying did it for me. If you want to know why I'm different, and if you want to know a little bit about my journey and why I am where I am, is because I refuse to put up with religious bullying. Might, now, you might say, but what is religious bullying? Well, when I was in my deepest crisis and needed the most, those mostly who I thought I could trust within that environment helped me the least, and not only helped me the least, but tried to put me down. They were as bad as those bullies that were chasing Forrest in order to put him down. And so I had an element of that that made me run. And there are elements I understand now, even about the religious environment, that I think are bullying and we need to run away from and get away from. 
um, because it, it's interesting what that shows there, just a little thought on this, that, that, that um, these things will always chase you to bully you. Right? They always want to bully you and force you to be something maybe that you're not. So he got rid of the weight when he ran from the bullying um, that was condemning the version of humanity to which he belonged. But then we come on to up, because I, I want to just get on to this for the few minutes that, that I have. Carl. Dear old Carl, if you've never seen up, you need to watch up. You know, it's good for the emotions. But Carl realized that if he was to move on, he would have to get rid of the, all the accumulated stuff, which was now the weight that was keeping him down. So this version of weight, what Carl realized was the place where he lived, his home, the place that he was, had so much stuff that when he needed to go to another place, when he needed to go to a place of freedom, now he couldn't move because his house somehow wouldn't get off the ground because of all the accumulated weight that was in there. Sometimes if you want to fly, you've got to empty your house of stuff. Now, what fascinates me is that all of that stuff meant something to Carl. That's why at the beginning he's looking through the album of the wife that he lost who was such a friend to him and everything in that house represented to Carl something that we, to which he was emotionally attached and circumstantially attached. It all meant something about an experience in his life. But you see, in order to move on to the next thing, he was going to have to get rid of all that stuff no matter what it meant to him from the past. He must now realize that for the future, some Something has to change, and he has to put these things out. Now, I wanted, I wanted Danny to, to, to do me the still of this slide. These are the two chairs where Carl and his wife used to sit. What I found the mo most moving part in, in that little clip is when, they, when it zooms. I just said the camera zooms in, but it's a cartoon. Whatever it is that zooms in, the zooming anything... The zoomy anything zooms in on the two chairs outside the house, still together like they were, but being left behind. So much of what is freedom in our lives depends on our willingness to leave things behind. And when we focus on sin, people are always saying, that's the thing you need to leave behind. But you see, Paul focuses in and says, all that weight of stuff, some you've imposed, some has been imposed, some's been attached to you, it's all to straighten you out or fix you or give you a life, that that stuff means something very often is the very obstacle to our being able to move forward. Now, now Russell was off to save Kevin. Maybe that's the motto. <laughs> save Kevin. The sight of those chairs moves me every time because I understand. I understand in the light of my own experience. I, I, I have had to put chairs out of my house. Not my house at home, so don't come round thinking, oh, I'll have them. Right. I've had to put chairs out of my house, things that I was attached to emotionally that meant a great deal to me, but I could never move on while ever I kept those chairs. We, we as a church have compromised our potential for a certain level of success because we've put some chairs outside the building which were important to us, but now to move on, we can't stay there. And you can't stay there, and you have these things. Now, here's the interesting thing. I did want to raise this with you. 
the house was grounded. Isn't it interesting that we use the term grounded in very confusing and conflicting ways? Does our use in those ways depict the conflict and contradiction within us? See, we want to fly, we all want to fly, but at the same time being grounded. And so much we have, we want to stay grounded because it, it keeps us on solid ground, but we also want to fly, and so we have a problem. But isn't it interesting that being grounded on the one hand is an expression of our desperate need for security, or we need to be grounded? I've been around it all my life. You've got to have be balanced. You've got to be grounded in the gospel. You know, grounded in the faith. You've got to be grounded in life. It's all about being grounded. And yet, don't you find it interesting that on the other hand, it's a punishment that we inflict on the young. Right, that's it. You're grounded. So we use it on the one hand as a security and the safety and a place to be, and on the other hand, we use it as a punishment. Right, you're grounded. I think it's because there's an inner conflict within us that we're not quite sure whether ultimately our groundedness is maybe a punishment on our life that restricts us, and that really we don't want to be grounded, but, 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 but we know to be not grounded, we have to get rid of stuff we don't want to get rid of, because they have now become so much a part of our identity and our security, that we say, I don't want to get rid of that, I'll just keep it anyway. Well, keep it, but you'll never fly. That's why Paul says, let go of the weight, right? He calls it the weight that hinders us. I'm going to give you that verse again. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's people who've walked this journey before, let us lay aside, throw off every weight, everything that hinders, and the sin which so easily ensnares or entangles us, and I've told you what that sin is, and let us run with endurance, there's Forrest, let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us. The sin is anything that entangles us from laying aside the weight. That's the sin. So what is the weight? What's the weight that we must jettison? Well, it's everything that hinders us. That's the weight. What are the biggest hindrances? Let me give you them. Experiences, beliefs, expectations. Your furniture is formed by experiences, beliefs, and expectations, and that's the weight that you need to jettison. Remember I said last week, belief is the insistence that the truth is what one would leaf it to be or wish it to be. There's a truth we wish to be that is not. The believer will open his mind to the truth. And remember I pointed this out last week, on condition that. right? So we've already ruined what that would do for us because we, we open our mind to it on condition that it fits with our preconceived ideas and wishes. So we keep the weight and we don't fly. And he says, um, faith on the other hand is an unreserved opening of the mind to the truth, whatever it may turn out to be. And that's the freedom of this. Faith has no preconceptions. It is a plunge into the unknown. Belief clings, but faith lets go. So let me round this off. First of all, from the up, let me say, and this is biblical, there is a wind that blows in life. And it blows where it wants. 
And I've watched centuries of doctrine try to control the wind and the direction of the wind. But listen, in life, the wind blows where it wants. You're not in control of the wind. This is how Jesus put it. The wind blows where it wants. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. But everyone who catches that, he says, is those born of the Spirit. And Paul had to say to the church in Corinth, he had to say, you think that you're spiritual but actually you're carnal. Your very spirituality is worldly. It's carnal. It doesn't work because you're like babies who only thrive on milk but never get onto the real stuff. And that's all to do with this here. You see, you can't decide where that wind blows, but you can only launch yourself into it and trust yourself to it. And that happens when you jettison the weight because you're going then where the wind goes. Get rid of the weight. The wind will take you where you need to go. So, a great Brennan Manning quote to, to close this. Here's what Brennan Manning said. I think this is brilliant. I love Brennan Manning's stuff. I am called to reckless trust regarding my past, present, and future. We don't do reckless trust very well. That's why we have a cluttered house. That's why we have magic shoes. That's why we think we've got to straighten out the question mark. Because we don't do reckless trust very well. But you see, what I didn't realize probably for many, many years of my life in ministry is that the truth of this gospel that's all surrounding Jesus is about reckless trust. Regarding past, present and future. And this leads to love, life and freedom. Get this, but it's tense. It's a mystery. There is no normal. And there is no, and I'll use our current term, no new normal to cling to to give us security. It's a false straw man when you think it will. You have to learn to recklessly trust yourself, past, present, and future, to something beyond your present experience, which I believe is God Himself. And he said, because there's no, new, no normal and no new normalities to cling to, to give us security, which we're all looking for, which weighs down the house, that's why we always revert back. See, the problem is when you have to put the two chairs out that represented everything that was precious in your past, that's when we revert back. Because we say, I can't do that. And so, you stay grounded, and you are grounded, and it will be a punishment, even though it feels like a security. What I'm asking you today is to exert that reckless trust to which you're called, to trust yourself to God. Now, I'm going to upset some people across the world, however you may see him. Because you cannot take God the Creator and put Him in a specific body. You do know that Jesus was a Swede. He was six foot four with blonde hair and blue eyes. Jesus came from Sweden. I know that. I've seen the photo. I've seen the paintings. Jesus came from Sweden. Can you see what happens when we get our hands on it? And guess what? Jesus is always white. 
Even though he was an olive-skinned Mediterranean, he's always white. He has his blonde hair. He has his blue eyes because that's the image we painted and we do that with God. And so for some of you, you like the God you made. For some of you, you hate the God that you can see. Both of you are wrong. And all of us are wrong. Reckless trust says we trust ourselves to God in whatever way, whatever form, however you come, however you appear. Now, do I believe Jesus was the Son of God, sent by God? Do I believe he was showing us what God is like? Yes, I do. But this, this is wider than that. Which is why we don't have a mummified body of Jesus because we'd all be worshipping the mummy and not be released into the life that comes because of the resurrection which is throwing off the way. Leave behind the experiences and beliefs which brought you to this day because they may be grounding you in all the wrong ways. So just in this moment, I want you to do something. I want you to picture yourself in a state of grace. That means you're okay. Listen, you're okay. You're okay. Throw off the weight, right? Not you vile sinner. Throw off the weight, because the sin is not realizing that you're trusting in the weight. Throw off the weight. Picture yourself in a state of grace, throwing off those beliefs and experiences which are holding you down. Picture yourself actually throwing them out like Carl from his house, even the two chairs. Picture yourself and let them go. Because once you get that revelation that you can throw off the weight, you'll find yourself defying gravity. And that, I guarantee. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.